do we want to talk about the guy with the big penis or should we just brush past that? I mean, <laughs> why is Andrea Ramos in the chat when I need her? We're just going to brush by that fucking <laughs> that beautiful black dog. yard arm, huh? What are we doing here? Um, I just like that. Can't we just hang free with the fuck? Can I get a credit? Can my penis get a credit in this show? Welcome back to Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. I want to thank you if this is your first time, and thank you if you are returning to us. If this is your first time, this is how we're going to do it. My partner and I, there, Jessica, we're going to talk about Westworld. We're going to spoil the episode in question. We might go through some theories, so if theories bother you, don't listen. Because um, theories can sometimes be right, but oftentimes they're wrong. And uh, we're going to say them anyway. Oh, I already interrupted Dean. He's mad at me. If you don't, uh, don't interrupt me, please. Thank you. And then um, the, uh, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, my point is, is we're going to spoil the episode. Sometimes theories are right. If they are, we don't have any fucking foreknowledge of anything that's coming. And uh, that's it. So be prepared for swears. Um, be prepared for uh, me getting upset with Jessica for interrupting me mm-hmm. and uh, be prepared for all the good things that are about to happen. So, Jessica. So, Dean. Do me a favor and give me your overall impressions before we break into the scene uh, recaps here. Oh, well, I loved this episode. Loved it. Okay. It was exciting to watch. I feel like while we didn't get specific answers, I think they really heavily hinted in certain directions, which we will talk about, which made me happy. And I felt like a lot happened. I feel like we're moving towards something. I yep. felt last week was set up, and I said this week could not also be set up. Yep, we both agreed on that. We both agreed that this week really needed to step up. And I think it did. Meaning it needed to not just present mystery, but start to cause action. Things needed to happen versus us learning information. Correct. And that is for sure what I feel happened. Me too. Uh, I, I really, really love this episode, and I'm excited to talk about it because... There's a lot to say and a lot to unpack here. What stood? What what stands out this week? Love the ending with Maeve again. Two weeks in a row, great ending with Maeve. Yeah, she's great. Like this Dolores. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the chat is like, Gunslinger Dolores is the hottest Dolores. Yeah, she is. That's mm-hmm. very true. And I also love her, and I like seeing her do stuff. And last week we talked about the scene between Teresa and Ford uh, as like awesome fucking television. And tonight we saw. Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins sit down to a table together and drink whiskey. I'm sorry. Is that not the most incredible thing you've ever heard someone say? Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins sat down, drank whiskey, and acted in a TV show together. On screen, together. Yeah. I like that. I like seeing those two together. We're probably not going to see a lot of them because both or one will definitely die this season. For sure. And then you were you were uh, with Keith, listener Keith on this, listener and, and uh, Illuminati member Keith on this by saying... Um, you thought the orgy stuff was over the top? Yeah, I was down in the orgy. Hmm. Um, and listener and Illuminati member Keith, also my nemesis, who prior to me agreeing with his theory said that I sucked as a human. So <laughs> don't, don't bring... <laughs> if I agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I mean it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I, I didn't... It didn't bother me too much, but... It, it's not that it bothered me. It's that I, I felt very much that it's HBO being like, we're HBO. Mm-hmm. We do this. Right. I understand when they say like, well, that's what we do and that's the scene and blah, 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 blah. And, 
You know, we see this on Game of Thrones and there are times on Game of Thrones where I say like, oh, I didn't need to see seven women raped in this one, you know, scene here. Mm-hmm. Like that was a little over the top. Yeah. My limit's um, four. And, and Keith said something very specific that I agreed with, which I will find and read at some point. Um, hold on a second. Actually, I should read it now since we're just talking about it. Um, random nudity is getting over the top. The scene with the orgy was almost just saying we can do this, so we should. It's just way too much. Don't need to beat it over the head with things. Contrast the orgy scene with our first actual encounter with Wyatt's men. We don't see them do the things they are doing. We just see the effects of what they did. They don't need to show us a seven-minute scene of them torturing Teddy. They just showed us Teddy post-torture. Hmm. And I agree with this. Gotcha. They've done a good job of not being gratuitous with the violence. And I think they could do the same thing with like a sexual stuff. It's just, I don't think it's necessary. That's all I'm saying. It's just not necessary. HBO just likes to do that. Gotcha. That's all. Gotcha. But the Walking Dead, we just complained about the same shit from them. Or I did. And Matthew did. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I think, I think the, I think, I think the orgy had a place, but we'll get to that. I think it was attempting to, and they're actually saying it in the chat right now, attempting to, uh, uh, deliberately show you how ludicrous it's supposed to be, but we'll we'll get That's to that. Fine, but I didn't need to. I still. But otherwise, a standout episode for you. Yeah. And that was your really only issue. Yeah, it was just, and it's not even like a major issue. It's just, I, I just think it's unnecessary. Yeah, I, I got think you. it was just a waste of nudity. Yeah, just a good, just a good episode. Like, solid. You, you can show nudity, and there can be like you could show two minutes of that nudity, and you would have still gotten the same point across. Like mm-hmm. you should could have showed the naked gold girls, and then maybe some of the sexual scenes we saw, but not like the twenty seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure. not anti nudity. The scene with Elsie, my enemy, and the guy with the penis was funny. I like that. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was reasonable to show a penis in that scene. Okay, so. sweet. There you go. Um, I um, I thought this episode was really good too. I thought that things happened versus us just being information dumped. Um, I like the stuff between Ford and the Man in Black, just because you have two really good actors here, and I think that uh, Ed Harris is so good. I mean, to sit across from Anthony Hopkins and to crush, uh, you're doing a great job. I think Ed Harris is a, is just a great actor. He always has been, and. He shines even in the face of another guy who's really good in Anthony Hopkins. And I just really enjoy their chemistry on screen together. I like how men in, the man in black was the aggressive agitator and Ford played the wise, I am sitting back, kind of watching you try to figure this out role. And uh, it, it did show us there's this rivalry here. And I think that, that that information that was exchanged between those two men was pretty important, and we're going to talk about that as well. I also think that we are seeing things happen, and we're starting to get a little bit of an understanding as to what it all means and what the point of this entire thing is. Now, there's so many theories floating around about Westworld. There are times where I think there's a lot of theories, but then there's some explicitly stated things, and I feel like the explicitly stated things are important to discuss because they, we can't overthink this. And I think that's something the internet culture likes to do is they like to overthink things. They like to think that there are these big grand schemes that are impossible to decipher and that the mystery of the show is in fact the, the importance of the show. And I think it's easy for us as podcasters to fall into that too. And that's, do we want to spend... Uh, 60 to 90 minutes every week talking about the theories of Westworld? Or do we want to spend 60 to 90 minutes every week talking about the execution of the Westworld show? Well, they're not mutually exclusive. Part of the problem is when you're watching a show like this that is riddled with mystery, you're trying to figure out, it's a natural inclination as humans to be curious and to say, I want to try to figure out what's going on here. 
And sometimes when we do that, we overlook things like the performance. We overlook things like the technical merits of the way the episode is shot and one of the things they're trying to show us visually. And I think it's easy to get lost in theory town and not really talk about the show as a whole. Unfortunately, Westworld's weird because it makes it almost impossible to talk about because of these random, what appear to be jumps around in the narrative to not speculate because we're trying to piece it together. We're trying to make sense of the show. And I just think that's a natural inclination to try to make sense of the show. That said, going back to what I said a minute ago, there are some explicit things stated. Arnold wanted to bring down the destroy the park. Okay, we can't forget that that is something that is really, really in in his mind, that Arnold wants to bring down Westworld, which means that there is a rivalry between Arnold and Ford. Something happened between them, and Arnold's revenge is, I will fucking destroy Westworld. And we've seen clips and coming soons of of uh, some of the hosts waking up and throwing technicians through glass. And that's the shit Arnold wants to happen. He wants his fucking place to go down. Why? We don't know. That's part of the fun. And we know the reason that he didn't has to do with the man in black. Right. So therein lies this collision course between Ford and the man in black on some level. Something happened with the man in black in the past. That's intriguing. What does it mean? So... See, the problem is, is that theorizing is so much fun. Sure, I understand and that. figuring things out, and it's like solving a puzzle, and it's just one of those things that you can't help. And once you start down, like now that I have started down this rabbit hole of these things that I think, I can't watch the show without thinking about those things. I mm-hmm. just can't anymore. I cannot sit down and watch Westworld and not be thinking, William is the man in black. How, how? Give me clues. Where are they? There's a mm-hmm. clue. There's a clue. There's a clue. Well, that's a little iffy, but it's okay because here's this clue. Right. And I can't watch the show anymore without thinking that. Right, which is unfortunate because that means that your experience in watching the show is being dominated by a theory that you have confirmation bias of. So I know. rather than enjoying the experience, rather than just sitting and saying, okay, I'm going to enjoy this experience and see what happens. So the problem is it's hard to simply enjoying experience when you're being, when all the complexity of it is being put in your face, right? Right. It's hard to do that. Be, it, they're not, it's not like we're sitting and watching the sun come up. There is a basic beauty in sitting and watching the sun come up. Now, if you're a fucking astrophysicist, you might sit and watch the sun come up and feel differently about it because you start to understand the things that are going on uh, on a cosmic level. And you might not dumb it down enough to just simply enjoy the rising of the fucking sun. So, Part of the part of the issue with Westworld is it is it is this amazing tale, and in getting pulled off into theory town, we we don't want to lose the human part of the story, and that's what's important. What is the human part of the story? What are the questions it's posing? Well, it posed questions. It posed questions that said, "Is if I if if my if my iPhone looked like a puppy, would I fucking smash it against the wall when I got pissed off at it?" No. Okay, so it asked that question, but you can't just sit and linger on that question for four episodes. So there has to be a plot somewhere, and you have to want to build these characters somehow. And part of the struggle is with this constant loop and this reset, we're never really getting to know the characters a ton because they keep doing the same things over and over again with, with a little more being bled into the plot as we go. So we're learning a little. Everyone's like, oh, Dolores in a gun. Cool, we like Dolores. Now Dolores is doing shit. And that's what has to happen. People have to start doing shit. And that's why I think this episode was solid. It's starting to really make us see that things are going to happen. Now, my problem is 
if we're working this up to an end of the season, it looks like we're going to see some conflicts. We're going to see some physical conflicts, some things going on with the control room. Where is the show going to go after this? Who knows? I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. But I think that there is, we are going to, no matter what, it's the way our fucking brains are. It's the way we evolved as a goddamn species. We're going to try to figure out what's going on. Because in doing so, you start to enjoy, or, or by speculating, it helps you get into the show a little more. You, when presented with a mystery, we're not going to attempt to solve that. We're, we're not going to stop ourselves from trying to solve that mystery. That's what we're going to do. As people who enjoy good television, we're going to try to solve the mystery. If the writers are saying, here's a mystery, that's what we're going to focus our attention on, right? Yeah, it, it is interesting, though, the difference in, you know, I podcast with you and we have friends we watch the show with and they get into the theories with us probably because we're all hanging out and talking about sure. the same things. We podcast and we talk about you guys in the chat and you guys are all theorizing, too. I go into work and uh, somebody I work with in surgery watches Westworld. Actually, two two people do, but one is two episodes behind. Anyway, we talk about Westworld and when I have conversations with him, it's like a whole different conversation I have to have. He doesn't remember people's names. He has certain theories that are like are were like really early on theories people have that are disproven. He doesn't really have them anymore. He's like, oh, it's just really cool when this happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cool like when Maeve found that bullet. That was really cool, huh? Like, right. and those are my conversations. And I'm not making fun of him or saying anything like that. No, I'm just it's saying just his level it's of totally investment totally different. Sure, and he loves the show. And he's whenever he watches it, he's excited to come and talk about. It. He's like, did you watch Westworld last night? And we have these whole conversations. But I, I have a whole different conversation with him than I ever have with any of you guys. Right. Thus is the burden of of getting into discussing TV shows. It must be so nice to be him. Just so happy to watch Westworld. <laughs> Not thinking about William and the Man in Black. That's so Not funny. thinking about if his theory upholds and who's going to yell at him on the LSG media page. Right. There is, a, And this goes back into just this idea of a lot of different things in life, which is when you uh, study music, you start to get jaded. You realize, oh, that's such a simple thing. I see what they're doing there. When you study film, if you're a fucking film student and you go, oh, that movie's so hacky because of X, Y, and Z, because technically I know what's going on here. And that's just the way it goes. If, you are a, if you're a championship boxer, it might be hard for you to watch Rocky because the boxing is such bullshit, right? It just looks terrible if you know anything about yeah, real boxing. it's anything with anything. It's like the anything, medical shows on TV, absolutely. people watch them. Imagine a like, doctor oh watching God. Grey's Anatomy. They probably commit suicide. Get the fuck out of here. Sometimes I watch Grey's Anatomy and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. right. It just, uh, you know, it, that's going to be the way it goes. And and um, we're in that position where we are, we're not just going, wasn't it cool when? We're, we're trying to understand the whys. Right. Anyway, I think we should probably get into it and, uh, and, and I know chat. we talk so much in the opening about just life. All right, let's get into Westworld, Contrapasso. What is it you're hoping to find there? You know why you exist, Eddie? The world out there. One you'll never see. It was one of plenty. Fat, soft teeth people cling to their entire life. Every need taken care of, except one purpose, meaning. So they come here. They can be a little scared, a little thrilled, enjoy some sweetly affirmative bullshit, and then they take a fucking picture and they go back home. But. I think there's deeper meaning hiding under all that. Something the person who created it wanted to express. 
something true. Well, if you're looking for the moral of the story, quite simply ask. <laughs> I'd need a shovel. The man I'd be asking died 35 years ago. Almost took this place with him. Almost, but not quite, thanks to me. Well, maybe he left something behind. So we open with Ford and Wild Bill. We've changed things up a little bit. This is the first time where I had to change my first note. So now my first note says, I finally have to change my first note. I wasn't ready for this. Talk to me about this scene. Do you want me to Do you want me to offer the recap and then we can get into it? I, I just, yeah. Okay. So Bill asks Ford some stories. Uh, he talks about the saddest thing he ever saw. He recounts his tale about a greyhound, a uh, racing dog, uh, let off leash, killed a cat, never saw a thing so beautiful as that old dog running, recounts how the dog confused was confused after killing the cat, spent his whole life trying to catch that thing. Now it had no idea what to do. Bill calls it a humdinger. Shall we drink to the lady in the white shoes? So this is the scene. Let's talk about it. We all know I love dogs. So I was really excited about a dog story. Um, and just in general, this is a very accurate thing. Like this is a true story. This happens a lot of times to people who rescue greyhounds. They kill smaller dogs, rabbits, dog, cats, things like that. It happens. They're bred that way. They are very fucking fast. I've seen a greyhound run and it is pretty awesome. But the, but the metaphor is. The metaphor to me, this is, I love this story. Like I love this idea. It's a great way to tell the story of you want this thing. It's all you want. You spend your whole life running in circles trying to get to this thing. And when you get it, you don't know what to do with it. Yes. I think that this relates to certainly Dolores and Maeve, mm-hmm. what they're going through, what's going to happen when they get what they're looking for. The man in black looking for the center of the maze, what's going to happen when he gets there. Right. But I also think that this relates to every single person in the world. Sure. Everybody. You have that thing where you're like, I just need this one thing. When I have this one thing, it's going to change everything. And you get the one thing and it's not, you're like, okay, now what? It's it's the old adage. It's it's not the destination, but the journey, right? Right. And And, and it comes back to this. And that's, I think this is speaking a lot about Ford personally. In the early episodes, one of the things Ford talked about was we have no more comforts. We, we, we have no more struggle. We have no more this. We have no more that. We don't have to worry about anything anymore. So what's next? And Ford created this place and this stuff and it's done and it's perfect. But now what? In the first episode, we learn that they're starting to push the envelope with the programming of the host. They're trying to get more out of them. More, more, more. It's this weird uh, infinite growth paradigm that you hear about in the in the in uh, that they don't really acknowledge in the corporate world, which is next year's sales going to be higher than this year's sales, and next year's sales going to be higher than this year's sales, and next year's sales going to be higher than this year's sales, and next year's sales going to be higher than this year. And I know that has a lot to do with inflation, the value of the dollar, blah blah blah. But there's always this infinite growth idea, like something can simply grow forever, um, and it's it, and it's almost a human spirit. There's an intrepidness to humans, which is always achieving the next thing. And sometimes you get lost in searching the destination and, uh, and the journey is really the fun. And in a simple sense, in a really basic sense, you hear people talking about on Tuesday, people like, God, I wish it was Saturday. And, and I'm not saying I am above that. I've done that before. But, I, but lately, I find myself saying, why do people wish their lives away? Why do you wish days and days and days? Why do you wish five days a week of your life away just to get to the weekend? Do you only want to live 52 days a year? Like, it's such a weird... It's such a weird thing we have in our fucking heads that we say shit like that. And in this, without being pulled way out of fucking line here, the the idea that Ford is saying this dog that did this thing forever finally caught that thing and now it's fucking lost. It doesn't know what to do. 
It's very sad, and I want to hug that greyhound, honestly. <laughs> I love greyhounds. They're so special. Right, exactly. And um, that's why, uh, and, and I, think, I, think, I think this simple scene between him and Bill does this. Now, let's back up a little. He's having this conversation with Bill. He's talking about this. Uh, he, he, it's almost like the not, the, not the destination, but simply the journey. Uh, don't don't get wrapped up in catching the thing. Get wrapped up in the in, in the way Ford pauses and he says his his line is never saw a thing so beautiful as that old dog running. Despite the fact that the beauty of that dog running led to the horrific death of this other thing, the idea in that moment is the journey. I never saw anything as beautiful as that dog running. In other words, the most beautiful thing I ever saw was that dog dog making that journey to that thing, and then the tragedy of him reaching that thing and it being over. And that is fucking a mind bender to me. This is such a good scene. So there's that. And then there's the fucking craziness that Ford is choosing to talk to Bill, an old model. Yeah. That says something. I don't know what, but the fact that he's choosing to have a conversation with older models means something. Why Bill? Why older models? Why older tech? I will theorize to this. I will too. You first. Well, first of all, this is the, not the first time we've seen him talking to Wild Bill Hickok, correct? This is the second time this correct. has happened. First time was in the first episode. Correct. So this is not an unusual occurrence per se. Um, I think there's probably a part of Ford where when he wants to really talk about something and, and get into it, he takes out Bill who can't actually respond to him so he can just get it off his chest. Mm -hmm. I also am starting to think that Bill is an early model as far as one of the earliest models. I agree. And I think that Ford keeps him around as a reminder. Like, he's like a relic. Like, I feel like Bill is, this is how we started with Bill. Yes. And look where we are now. Mm -hmm. I really feel that way. Because we have not seen another model. Just the way he looks. He looks more robot-y, less human. Yep. We have seen lines of hosts that are decommissioned. And they look more human than Bill. I, I mean, I'm starting to think that this guy's like a prototype. Like, mm -hmm. he was a real early on thing that's being kept around for that specific reason. Nostalgia part of his museum. Do you think it's even extra meta that he's choosing to have this discussion with Bill? Because one thing we haven't seen with Ford, Ford seems to have really no motivation. There's nothing that really seems to make Ford's pulse increase. He doesn't seem to have any passion. He seems- Scaring Teresa. He seems like, like this guy. Look, is it, is it such a meta thing to where he's, he's almost looking at Bill as a reminder of that journey? Yeah, maybe. Like this is where sure. my journey started. Now, here I am. All the things have happened, but in this weird, almost beautiful and simple way, Bill is the same. Bill has, will always be the same. He is representing this old thing, and now I'm here, and do I feel any different? Like, I wonder, as Ford's sitting there talking to Bill, do I feel any different now than I did then? Am I satisfied with my progress, or do I just simply feel the same? I right. wonder about that. That's um, it's kind of sad to think about. And, and you know what I, is also just worth mentioning. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to theorize more on it. But I just want to point out that when he talks to Bill, Bill is clothed. Interesting. Which he does not talk to any of the other. He flipped out at a dude for having a model with clothes on or, mm -hmm. or the towel over him. If you remember correctly. Sure. He's like, they are robots. He talks to Dolores naked. He talks to everybody else is always naked. But this. Not this model. Right. And I just think that point. that's it's another, worth yeah. paying attention to. I agree. It's a uh, it's certainly an inconsistency in his behavior. For sure. No and, and this is the least human host we've ever seen. 
Right, right. Uh, we are recording this live on Mixler, it should be stated. Mixler.com slash LSG-media, where we record just about all of our podcast episodes live. Uh, we do that because it allows our listeners to interact with us on the fly. It allows our listeners to contribute to the show live, and it allows us sometimes to address those listeners live. And it's fun. It's an interactive experience. You should join in. we got a good group over there hanging out right now. And um, Daniel Fouch, uh, one of our listeners, has been bringing up some good points. They all are. Like Daniel, Junk Fist, Lone Star Kid, uh, everybody's hanging out. Scott Cummings, of course, Mr. Bucket. Everybody's here. Lots of people in there. And, uh, you know, one of the things Daniel said was Ford created old models. Arnold created current models, question mark. He's wondering, is Ford playing in Arnold's Park? Is it, uh, is it one of those things? So there's, there's all kinds of people thinking about this stuff. Uh, so there, there's a lot to wonder what is going on here, a lot of mystery. But we want to start empathizing with our characters, and it's hard to empathize with our characters if we don't understand, right? Empathy is something that we achieve through understanding. If you see another human suffering, you empathize because you understand that. So I want to empathize with these characters, but I don't understand their fucking plights yet. And I'm trying to because the show has been elusive with that stuff. Um, and I think that's something I, I think they really should start zeroing in on, right? I agree. So let's move to the next scene. Sure, let's do it. Let's talk about Dolores. She's standing in a cemetery. She hears, find me. And then she says, show me how in her mind. And then we do a little camera tw twirl. And Logan, Slim, and William, of course, are all present. They discuss going to town. The town's called Pariah. Nice. And uh, they discuss El Lazo and his hospitality. Uh, good choice on the use of pariah, uh, social misfit or something, an outcast, mm -hmm. I believe is that term. And um, there's nothing really worth mentioning here unless you want to get into the voices in Dolores's head, which yeah. is something we've talked about. Just that William asked her she's okay. And this was when William annoyed me for the first time ever because like 17 times he's like, know. are you okay today, Dolores? Well, and I'm yeah. like, oh, for Christ's sake, yeah. she's fine. This part didn't annoy you. It was later in the app when he asked yeah, her again. Yeah, when he did it for the 18th time. I mm -hmm. said, listen, William, she, just make out with her if you want to make out with Stop her. You've already a, asked her if she's okay yeah. enough times. Stop being so clingy, bitch. I know. He's like, oh my God. I just, this just makes me think of like my sister. And every time a guy is like super nice to her, she's like, I'm done. Too clingy. Nice. She would not like William. So, do, I mean, I guess we should talk about the voices a little bit. Yeah, it reminds me of another TV show I watch that I dare not mention because of what Keith Bernard will say to me. Nice. It's good to know that he's but, affecting how you podcast. But this is, the, you know, the, the whispers. We did it in Lost. Do you think that this is... Do you think that there is something going on here, like Arnold is somehow communicating with her from beyond the grave? Yes. Okay. No. Well, yes and no. I think this is, I think we're in a past timeline. Mm -hmm. And did we not have this conversation where Arnold was trying to program these hosts to hear this voice and he was eventually hoping their own voices would take over? Yes. They thought it was the voice of the gods. Yes. We but we're seeing an older model of Dolores. Isn't she hearing Arnold's voice just mm -hmm. like Arnold did back then, as we were told, right? Right. So that's what I interpret a lot of the stuff to be is that she's hearing Arnold. Arnold is talking to her. That's her inner voice that Arnold created right. that we know is a thing that he did. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things we were saying is, is it possible that her, that, 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 that the conversation she's having is a conversation she's having in her head? Or do you think she's literally being guided by somebody out there in the fucking etherverse? No, I think it's voices in her head. Her own voices with Arnold's. I think it's Arnold's voice in her head. Arnold's voice in her head, but it's How her own. programmed her. Her own thoughts are just in Arnold's voice. Somewhat, but Somewhat. a lot of it is stuff that he's programmed. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I know that there has been some um, 
some speculation that uh, that Arnold is potentially still around, still alive, or somehow his consciousness. Talk plenty about that. His consciousness is somehow still around. We'll talk about that. But because a hundred percent he is, I'm on board with that very hard now. Not that he's alive, but you know what I mean. Right. We'll get there. So outside of the town, a much different place than Sweetwater. Dolores calls it beautiful in its own way. Logan comments about how Pariah is a place that seems more raw and less influenced by market forces. I like that conversation. We're going to talk about that, but let me just wrap this. Apparently, Westworld's losing money, and Logan's company's there looking to buy it out. And then we meet the Army of New Virginia, or the Confederados, essentially guys who did not let the war pass. They're still running around like a bunch of marauders. And um, we just have this scene before we cut over to the man in black, Teddy and Lawrence. So we get a little bit of information that is... uh, the business of Westworld. I think this is important to to know about. What do you what did you think about this information this week? Well, I definitely think William is the man in black and he works for Delos Corporation. Right. Um, shall I begin this talk here? Sure. Okay. Westworld is hemorrhaging cash. Logan is talking about buying them out. They make mention to a partner who killed himself. Arnold. Arnold. So yes, Arnold is already dead as William first enters Westworld, as somebody in the chat already said. Yes. And somebody tried to say that this discredited the whole theory because later the man in black says um, that Arnold tried to take this place down and he almost did, but not quite thanks to me. Right. That doesn't mean he ever met Arnold. All that means is Westworld was hemorrhaging cash. Right. Because of whatever Arnold did before he killed himself and whatever problems there were. Logan is talking about buying them out as part of Delos Corp. So if Delos Corp did then buy them out after they were hemorrhaging cash, after Arnold did whatever shit he did and then killed himself or died in whatever way he did, then doesn't this all fit with my timeline? Right. I'm not I'm not asking you to justify your timeline. I'm just asking you to share your observations. I'm just sharing them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Listen, if I don't, one day when we see William and the man in black walk into the same scene and Lone Star Kid is going to murder me. I will apologize. But until then, I'm just going to point these things out. Mm-hmm. He's trying to tell you how to watch TV, too, apparently. A terrible way to watch the show, he says. Listen, I like, like trying Keith. to figure <laughs> shit out. Yeah, I know. You are like Keith, Lone Star Kid. <laughs> now I have two enemies. Um, no, but I think that it's important to note that the place is hemorrhaging cash and that this com- company is looking to buy them out. So whatever fuckery happens... Whatever fuckery happens as a result of Arnold in this crazy incident that the man in black helped stop. Right. Very important to note. The man in black helped stop whatever it was that happened X amount of years ago, right? Right. So that's an important consideration. It's also important that these people know who Arnold is, even though they don't call him by name. Because we now know that Arnold is so not known by anybody other than the board, right? right? So that makes me think it's certainly an older time. Sure. We know this is two different timelines. That we're 100% certain on. Are we all on board with that in the chat? Yeah, but I wouldn't... Here's here's just some general advice. I wouldn't worry about addressing the chat, the, the, pod, the, the, um, the chat, the whole podcast episode. Sorry. You don't have to apologize. I'm just saying I would just talk to me. We're podcasting. Don't get too distracted by what they're theorizing. I mean, address them once in a while. So you but. feel pretty fairly, whether or not it's 30 years ago and William is the man in black or not. There's definitely two. There's the timeline with William and the timeline with the man in black. And there are two different timelines. I think so. Yes. The only thing is, in uh, in help me understand, if if the man in black helped stopped whatever the crazy issue, thanks to me, is what he says. Yeah. What do you think he means by that as it relates to what Logan is talking about now? I think it means that... 
whatever was going on, Westworld was hemorrhaging money. Mm-hmm. They were losing their shit. They were probably going to be shut down. Yep. Because whatever had happened that we don't necessarily know about or whatever's going to happen. And I think that Delos Company bought out Westworld. I think that at this point, William is the head of Delos Corp because Logan is no longer around, perhaps dead. Okay. I don't know. I think some shit's going to go down there where William's going to take over that corporation as well. Mm-hmm. And they buy out Westworld. Delos runs Westworld now, right? Right. I think that is what the man in black is talking about. Yes. He saved them from financial bankruptcy, from being shut down, from it being over after only five years. Right. Or if the case may be. Now, if that's the case, I wonder what the man in black's motivation is now. That I do not know. We're going to talk about some of that, but let's not do this the whole time. We'll get to that as we get later in the ep. I have some thoughts about the maze. I have some thoughts about the idea that, and I, and I know this has been brought up weeks ago, but the fact that it's shaped like a brain. Oh, I, did we talk about that? No, we didn't, but it's been out there for weeks. The fact that the maze looks like, have you looked at images of it? Yeah, I guess it kind of looks like a brain. I mean. Yep. There's a couple of people who on, online have said that the the image in the middle, it looks like a person, uh, kind of like the Westworld emblem. Uh, that's going to lead them to the fucking control center. We've had some people speculate that that's going to lead them to consciousness, uh, all kinds of shit like that. So I'm, I'm, there is a lot of shit going on here. And um, I just wanted to, I like the, I like the business part of it. I like understanding what Logan is saying here in the park and how at the end we hear the man in black telling Ford, thanks to me. I mean, you owe this to me. This is something I did. I saved. He could mean he literally did something from a company standpoint or he literally did something to save the park by way of participating in whatever crazy shit's going to happen at the end sure. of the season. He either helped them financially or he helped them while visiting there or maybe both. I don't know, but he definitely is going to have done something for sure. So, um, and I know that there's theories out there that the man in black could be sick. Um, one of the theories out there, I'm just going to say, and think about this. We don't, we're not going to go too off on the deep end on this. I don't know if it's on Reddit or whatever it was. There's so fucking many. But some people have speculated that the man in black is sick and dying and that Arnold lives in Westworld somehow as part of the consciousness and the man in black also wants this because he's dying and he thinks that Arnold's the key to that shit. Yeah, immortality. I I certainly think that that could be um, what the center of the maze, what he thinks it means, whereas Dolores thinks the center of the maze means freedom. They both think it's something different. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that because William, I mean, the man in black so explicitly states... Um, he, 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 I feel like he would have explicitly stated that when Ford directly asked him why he was so interested in the maze. But we'll get to that. I don't know about that, but yeah, all right. We'll get to that when we get to that. So let's talk about the man in black, Teddy and Lawrence. What a crew. What a fucking crew. What a traveling crew these gents are. (laughs) Man in black asks Lawrence if he believes in fate. They discussed fate and Teddy's condition. Uh, The boy shows up whom we've seen before, asks if they are lost. Ford as a child is what I call that little boy. You think so? Oh, 100%. I talked about this the first time I saw a little boy. Like a rendition of yeah, Ford? Yeah, like I think that that's who Ford was as a child, and he put himself in Westworld to enjoy his childhood life. Gotcha. And I said that the first time, I still agree now. So, little Ford. A boy, Ford uh, Jr. yep. He tells Man in Black that there's water on the other side of the canyon, and of course, the Man in Black sends him away to get some, and then the Man in Black dumps out his water. I always enjoyed our time together, Lawrence. I was wrong. The path that brought you here was not for me, but for him. Cuts his throat, hangs him upside down, drains his blood to give Teddy a fucking transfusion. Which good is lord, fucking crazy shit, by the way. So take me through this. Oh, good lord! Uh, the man black is a pretty dark soul. Yes, because when little Ford Junior comes over, and he already knows Teddy's gonna die, he asks the kid to go get water, and he says, "Too small." 
And Lawrence says, what does that mean? Mm, right. Well, Lawrence, what it means is the little boy cannot produce enough blood <laughs> to Gross. keep Teddy alive, a robot. So he's going to kill you for a robot-to-robot transfusion. Right. Now, there's something that happens here. After he kills Lawrence and he hangs him upside down, he drains his blood. One of the things he says to the boy, who doesn't even react to this dead man hanging from the tree, yeah. he says, don't worry, they'll be along for him shortly. Yeah. And I really believe that the man in black simply feels this way. After playing this game for 30-something years, he's like, Lawrence is dead. I killed him. It sucks, but he'll be back. No problem. Yeah, they'll be along for him shortly, a.k.a. the dudes in hazmat suits who yes, are going to take them what... to their little, like, freaking world where they try to make birds come back to life. Right, that, but I'm saying that's the man in black at this point. Yeah. There's, there's no, he, it, it's just like, it's a total game move to him. Like, he's, he's playing a video game, and he's on this level that's really hard, and he's like, fuck, I think I know what I have to do here. I think I have to kill Lawrence, put his blood in a fucking thing, and do a transfusion somehow, fucking Westworld transfusion, and just make that happen. This is what I have to do right now. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what he believes. That's how determined the man in black is to continue to pursue this thing that he's pursuing, which is the mystery of the maze, which started, by the way, with a hacked-off scalp. Now, in my opinion... Yeah, I remember that. That, that we have not talked about that enough. Originally, we thought, oh, is that some sort of weird blueprint in their head? We have yet to revisit that thought. It is not, in fact, a blueprint in their head. I think it's kind of creepy that there is a maze in the guy's scalp, near his brain, near his head, near, dare I say, the seat of his consciousness. The location of the map in that guy's skull is a very important clue. The fact that the creator of this maze, maybe Arnold, decided to put it there says something. It's a clue to somebody who's willing to do that shit. So you have to be depraved enough to want to scalp Kissy and then look at his scalp and go, oh, this is a maze. This is a big deal here. It's not, they could have easily made it part of his guts. They could have easily had it a tattoo on the guy's back. They could have easily hit it somewhere. But Arnold, I think, if he's the creator of this maze, is making a point to say it has to do with the brain, the mind, consciousness, life. That's why I put it here. And uh, I don't know what that means. But again, if we think the maze looks like a brain, the way it's kind of shaped, if we think that it's a, it's a map to some kind of consciousness and not a physical object, not, a, not literally an old Arnold who's still alive, but some kind of clue uh, or the head of the snake or the, the control room or whatever it is, that's cool. And the fact that he put it in the guy's scalp is fucked up. Is as fucked up as the man in black going. It's no less weird to put that there than just for the man in black to scalp him to get it. <laughs> Right. Right. That's how fucked up this game is. So Teddy gets his transfusion, apparently. And we move over to, I believe, Sylvester and Felix. I don't know. By the way, two cat names. Oh my God, you're right. Felix the cat and Sylvester the I cat. I also love cats. Hmm. These guys are kind of knuckleheads, especially Total whichever one's the more knucklehead of the two, you know, which I'm talking about. But I just, but weird names. Uh, yeah, I think it's Felix. Felix and Sylvester. Well, we thought, Dean thought somebody's name was Lutz. I did too, L-U-T-Z. I thought I, I saw that. I said thought that. I didn't think that. Um, anyway, they chat about their jobs. They call me a fuck puppet. Great name. Fuck puppet? No, awful name. Hilarious. Um, uh, Sylvester has this nubile redheaded awaiting, inst- awaiting instructions. He makes a joke. Uh, In the VR tank. And then what's his name has a little side hustle going on where he's testing his programming chops. What an odd thing to add to this episode. Yeah, 
This yeah. has deeper meaning. It must. Yeah, because it's going to have to do with what this knucklehead who's just learning how to program is going to program Maeve to do. Ah. But now you're on to something. Or he's going to learn how to wake her back up or bring her back online or or something. He's going to. There are some fucking awesome shit that's going to happen with Maeve, and she is going to be my favorite character of the show. I can. And that's all I have to say about that. So we move she was over. This episode alive for literally. 30 seconds and she's and she interesting was incredible. I, I i totally agree with that actually we move over to the man in black and teddy uh ready to get back on the road he says he tells teddy you used to be beautiful now this is not throwaway dialogue here i think the show rarely has any you used to be beautiful a million little pieces now you are flesh and bone just like us to improve the park experience but the reality is that it is cheaper hmm that's weird to me because I don't understand why it's cheaper. So I don't understand why it's cheaper either. But part of me wonders. I asked Jessica, I, I literally paused the episode during the scene the second time around. And I said, Jessica, have we ever seen any indication that these things have any kind of metal in and or around them or electronic parts outside of the guy who stuck something into his arm? Right. That we're going to talk about. The, mm -hmm. the the stray, I think his name is Maurice. I don't know what his name is. I just call him that dude with no head. Maurice. Um, And I wonder about these fucking things. Have we ever seen anything mechanical in any of them? I started to get this creepy feeling. Like, what if they're just people literally being reprogrammed? Well, Kizzy had that weird scalp with a drawing in it, but that's about it. Like if they have this crazy technology. Yeah, was his scalp that it looked fake and plastic no just the top of it had a ma map drawn on it maybe and it i don't did. think I don't that's remember. the color what skulls like look like no but yeah i don't know man i like how he says that they were they used to be more mechanical now they're more flesh and blood like i i get that i understand that that is something that that would probably try to do in an attempt to improve the experience right but the fact that he says it's cheaper is really weird to me that is why true. and i started to think if they figured out a way to use to, dead bodies. To use dead <gasps> bodies. Yeah. People yeah. that have died, which could explain this weird thing going on between Dolores and Like how Maeve could get MRSA? Well, yeah, there's... there's if she's an actual fucking body. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to get... I don't want to go off the deep end, but yeah, the fact that she got MRSA, while well, they are living tissue, they, they, they somehow figured out how to craft living tissue. Yeah. And they keep using the same body over and over again, which is kind of weird, right? You would think that if they could just shunt consciousnesses around, why don't you just get a new body? So there's something going on to where they have to use certain bodies over and over again. They, they move them around and stuff. But I wonder, that, that's, that line sent me off on a fucking, into a rabbit hole. Like, why would they, like, okay, they, they're more flesh and blood. The fact that he addresses, it's not just to make it a more live experience, but rather to be cheaper. Really? Yeah. How the fuck is that cheaper? Oh, that makes sense. Anyway, so is it possible that it is a clone? Are they using clone bodies? Is it possible they're using, you know, I don't know. It could be Why could the be cold anything. storage? That's a great question. Daniel Fouch, why the cold storage? Exactly, because they're fucking bodies. Um, and I do want to point out, too, that they talk about how the hosts were more mechanical and not flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but just, I'm sure the host always bled when you shot them and did things like that. Sure, of course. Yeah, of course. We don't that's know part what of any part. of the hosts look like when they were dissected in William's time. No. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, you say just saying. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think that... I, I got to like, you know, stand I, by. I think that it is very possible that there's some sort of literal flesh and blood. Clone people or something. 
which is really crazy because if if that's the case, then they have somehow figured out a way to meld consciousness. In other words, it's not a robot that looks exactly like a human being. It is a human being that has a mechanical consciousness. Right. I mean, that changes the game a lot. Uh, in that, in in that goes into could Arnold have put his own consciousness somewhere? If they figured out a way to do that shit, if it's simple, if it's a simple way of taking a dead fucking clone body and putting personalities and programs and directives and all this shit into them, then it's very possible. The only real clue we get is when Elsie does her little scan of the stray. It looks like bone. Yeah, and then there's a GPS one. thing like stuck in his body. It looks like when like you do like x-rays and you're like, oh, there's the microchip. Or like, oh, there's the sneaker that dog ate. Yeah, there you go. So um, now that I've literally gone off the deep end, um, Man in Black brings up Dolores. There it is, he says, the magic word. I like that. I liked how he knew he could motivate Teddy by talking about Dolores. Yeah, so true. The Man in Black tells uh, the boy not to worry about Lawrence. Someone will be along for him shortly. I already mentioned that. <clears throat> And then we move right to Pariah. Dolores has some quick flashing memories. I believe we see a church in that quick flash. Dolores yes. tells her stories of running from home. She wonders if there are a lot of different paths hanging in the air like ghosts. William asks her about changing her life and if she wants that. And she says she doesn't, doesn't everyone. William monologues about why this place exists. No one will ever know about the depravity and all that shit you do here. Dolores picks up on this real world he uses and wonders why he says it. And he wonders why she notices it. And then they share a moment. So let's talk about this little exchange between these two and some of the pontificating by Dolores. I like that Dolores is saying something completely different than what she has said before. Because think of how many times she had the conversation with Teddy where she said, our paths are intertwined, like you were meant to be with me, basically. Mm -hmm. And now she's saying, I think there are a lot of different paths. Right. You could change your whole life just by taking a different path. I like it. It's just an interesting deviation. I liked how William starts to think about this place just on the the concept of Westworld. He does that a lot in this episode. He starts to wonder what this what a weird place that it exists for people to do these things. You know, he has that moment. And um and that comes back again later in the episode, but I do like that this little this little moment that they share. I like how she picks up on the fact that he uses the phrase a real world. Right, which she's is like, not supposed to be able that? to do. Right. We already know that she's she's kind of gone beyond that. Yes. So let's talk about Logan and William. Logan is the douchiest douche. I just can't. He's such a douche. I know I say this every episode, but oh God. So I know, wrap it up, says Dean. Logan brings up a contortionist. William tells Logan to chill. Dolores gets wrapped up in the parade and then hears the command rest in a deep and dreamless slumber and boom, she falls unconscious. Now, here is where we go right to a Ford and Dolores discussion. And one of the things that this... The, one of the ways they edit this show is to try to get you to believe that this happens directly after she falls unconscious, that Ford is talking to her, right? That's what they want you to believe. Right. If it does, then your theory's kind of blown up, right? Yeah, but that's, we don't know that that's directly where she's going. Right. So, so, but like, wouldn't William have noticed if she was just gone? What do you mean? Because they're just not, as long as she's passed out and she's like lying there in front of William and then her body is somewhere else, like just two bodies. No, I understand. Someone would have to come in, get her, move her over there, have her talk to Ford and then have her go back. Right. I don't think she was away from Logan for that long. Right. And that's what people have to realize because it's because Logan would have said, doesn't he say something to her like, oh, are you okay? Yeah, like 17 times. He does say that. No, you but, are correct. But doesn't he address the fact that she passes out? 
Yeah, she passed out. Yeah, and he saw her pass out. Yeah, and then he didn't see a bunch of people in hazmat suits to come and take her. Right. So that's, but I'm just saying that lends to your idea that they're they're not they're they're separate times. God, most things do lend to my idea. It's true. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> so let's have the, let this discussion is pretty big. Yes. We'll kind of work our way through it slowly versus recapping it. So do you know where you are? She's in a dream. Like she says every single time she wakes up. Do you know what that means? No, but first he says, yes, Dolores, you're in my dream, which is very important point. dialogue. Because Dolores is supposed to believe she's in her dream. Mm-hmm. That's what these things are supposed to present to them. That's how they always respond. They're in their own dream. They're dreaming right now. Do you think he's just being glib here? By saying I created you, therefore you're my dream. Yes, I think he's having an emotional conversation with her. Okay, which is unlike him, even though she's naked. Yep, I like it. And you fucks made fun of me when I said, "Is it possible that Dolores is this girl that got away from him when he was younger?" Yeah, but now everyone's on board with that theory. Yeah, and I just kind of said it off the cuff. And people are saying daughter. Um, yeah, I thought that too. Wife, and I'm starting to be high in that theory that that is who she is modeled after. Yeah, because wouldn't you? So before we break into this conversation. If you believe that somehow Arnold was threatening this park and using Dolores to do so, wouldn't you simply decommission her? Take her offline. Get rid of her. And this is a lot of things people keep saying, like, why wasn't Dolores decommissioned if she went off her loop however many years ago? And what if there's some emotional attachment between Ford and this model? He's already said she's the oldest model in the park. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this could get into some weird shit if these are, in fact, bodies and not robots. So... Dreams are the mind telling stories to itself, she says. No, he corrects her. Dreams mean everything. The stories that tell us who we could become. Maybe you're dreaming out of your modest loop, he says, sort of backhandedly. My dad told me to be satisfied with my lot in life, he says, and the world owed me nothing, so I made my own world. Do you remember the man I used to be? So a couple things here. He calls, uh, he talks about her modest loop. He talks about how his dad wasn't really a dreamer kind of guy. He's just like, just do what you put your fucking nose to the grindstone and get to work. Ugh. Do you remember the man I used to be? He says uh, a couple of more things like this. This is to me that line right there says something very personal is going on here. Mm-hmm. It's not. Do you remember before? Do you remember? Do you remember the man I used to be? Right. That wording is so important and so personal. I agree. This is a very personalized scene, and uh, it's hypercharged with emotion for I, him. Anthony Hopkins is like a god among He's men. He's brilliant. I, I mean, there there are not many who are better than him. He's brilliant. Honest to God. And, and, and Ed Harris fucking I love Ed Harris tough too. with him in that last scene. I, I love Ed Harris. Anthony Hopkins is one of my favorites of all time. So let's just, let's unpack some of this, because I think there's a lot of clues here for Ford. Now, yes. I think that there is something interesting to be said in this, and that is... I think that, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the scene off the mics and it was, do you feel that he has, I asked you, or, or, I, or I simply said, I feel like there's contempt here. Do you feel like there's contempt here? Because Anthony Hopkins is such a great actor. I almost feel like there is contempt, but there's also pain. Yeah. I don't think his contempt is for Dolores. I think it's for Arnold. I don't know. Okay. I think that there is contempt and pain wrapped up in this scene and i can't quite put my finger on it there's certainly contempt with arnold's do you remember the man i used to be she says she's forgetful i'm sure you remember him Mm -hmm. arnold the person that created you right 
that's contempt. Him. Mm-hmm. Like disgust almost. Right. Arnold, the person that created you. Right. So there's something going on here. Dolores is somehow connected to Ford's past in an emotional way as a person. I'm not talking about Dolores the robot. Dolores, a person, is connected to Ford somehow. This woman, Dolores, is somehow connected to Ford and Arnold. I don't know if it's yes. a weird love triangle. It could be. It could be something where Ford got really hurt by something with Dolores. Something happened to Dolores and fucking Arnold said, no, you will not die. I will make you a fucking robot forever. And that's why Ford can't oh, shut like her off. Having I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just saying there is contempt in his voice, but also longing in his voice. And I think that's why he's such a good actor. That's what he showed me. And I could very much be reading into this. I get it. But there's something incredibly personal here. And it's awesome. I agree. So somewhere under all those, so do you remember the man I used to be? I'm forgetful sometimes. I am sure you remember him. Him. I'm sure you remember him. The way he, he says him. The way he says him. sure. Somewhere under all those updates, your mind is a walled garden. Even death cannot touch the flowers blooming there. Your yeah. mind is a walled garden. Even death cannot touch the flowers blooming there. To me, that hints that this was a real person once upon a time. That hints to me that that was a real person. Next, have you been hearing voices? Has Arnold been speaking to you again? That annoys him. Yes. Because in the very next scene, she says, you're hurting me. So Anthony Hopkins' anger at the way he squeezes her hand at the thought of her conversing with Arnold upsets Ford. He feels something. Is it jealousy? There is a connection here, people. And it has to do with Ford and William's fallout has something to do with Dolores. Ford and William, you say? Did I say Ford and William? Ford, Ford and Arnold's fallout is centered around their relationship with Doris, Dolores, the fucking human being. Because she was a human being. Perhaps. I don't know. And then somebody was saying that Dolores Abernathy has an anagram for something too. I know like, there's a lot of Ford's, anagrams floating around out there. Hold on. I'll look it up while you're talking. Sure. Anyway, um, Dolores reports that her last contact with Arnold was 34 years ago. Obviously a lie. The day Arnold died. Oh, Arnold based theory is uh, what Dolores Abernathy is. Okay. Wow. Listen, this shit ain't by accident. We're not making up something. I mean, that's pretty like blatant. I know you can make up things you from can. things, but I mean, that's pretty. It's not as much as the perhaps Bernard one, but. What is the last thing he said to you? That he was going to help me, to help me destroy this place. Oh, do we say the years? 34 years or whatever? Yep. I already said that. Sorry. I was Googling. But you didn't, did you? You've been content with your little loop. Again, he's very condescending. Yeah, he is. I wonder if you did take on that role, would you be the hero or the villain? I wonder, would you be the hero or the villain? If he finds these robots so lowly that they dare not be covered, by the way, not naked, well, she was naked. Oh, she was naked, yeah. That they dare not be covered, that they dare not be this, that they dare not be that. Why have such contempt for this one? I I do want to point out too that he says she was content in her loop for the most part. Sure. Just, again, with my theories, I just want to... Dolores, sorry for bothering you, but there was no one left who understands. Are we old friends? No. Understands as we understand. I wouldn't say that, Dolores. I wouldn't say friends, Dolores. I wouldn't say that at all. Almost with contempt. He's clearly emotionally charged with this. He He wipes away a fucking tear. He certainly does. He doesn't know. I didn't tell him anything. Walks away. Anything else you want to add to that scene? Can we talk about Bernard now? You want to bring up Bernard? Yeah, because I this is the scene that to me tells me that Bernard is Arnold's consciousness 100%. Okay, go. I'm sold now. So this is a theory. I know people have been talking about it, that Bernard um, 
is Arnold, basically. And um, Carlos, podcast listener Carlos, um, was talking to me. Carlos from Haiti, you remember? Yes, Carlos from Haiti, you remember. I hope he, I asked him if I could say this on the podcast and he didn't respond. But I'm going to say it anyway. Um, You message a showrunner. You have to know. So anyways, he talks about Bernard um, is modeled after Arnold. I think we see Bernard talking to Dolores in secret. We're actually seeing Arnold, essentially. Um, I think my previous theory, oh, that's something different. Sorry. Um, So he specifically says, Bernard Lowe is an anagram for Arnold. Last name, Weber, Brew, either way. I know we don't know Arnold's last name, but again, I feel like that that's not by accident. Okay, can you that, explain that to me? Because you went a little fast. Okay, sorry. That's okay. Um, Bernard's character is modeled after Arnold. Okay, so Bernard is, so this this theory you're presenting to me is, is that Bernard is in fact a host modeled after Arnold. Yes, with Arnold consciousness. No, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Yeah, I feel like the first. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe there's some programming in him. Maybe he's an older model. We don't know how long he's been around for. And mm-hmm. there's something in him, just like there's something in Dolores. But I do feel like, or has something to do with the center of the maze. I don't know. But I feel pretty on board with the fact that Bernard is a host and he has some form of Arnold's consciousness in him. He's doing Arnold's work. I feel this because I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Bernard Lowe. And Arnold Weber are anagrams. I don't, not that we know, I know we don't know what Arnold's last name is, but still that you can automatically come up with two normal last names that would fit into this theory, whatever. Um, But the fact that he is like, hey, when did you talk to Arnold? No, I don't talk to him. I haven't talked to him for 34 years. Haven't talked to him, haven't talked to him, haven't talked to him. And when Ford leaves, she says, he doesn't know. I didn't tell him anything Mm -hmm. as if she is talking to Arnold. Right. Correct. Because that's what she lied about specifically. Sure. And the person that she has been talking to has been Bernard in secret, which means as far as I'm concerned, Dolores is computing Bernard as if he is Arnold, as if they're the same person. I I feel like. Because he's asked her the same things. You don't talk to anybody about this. You don't, you know, he asks her for secrecy when they chat. Right. But he doesn't know I didn't tell him anything when he's asking her specifically about Arnold. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as far as Dolores's mind goes and how she's computing, Bernard and Arnold are the same person to her. Okay, not bad. And, and I think it's because they're the same person. I don't think Arnold's alive, but I think Bernard represents Arnold here. And what he's doing is Arnold's work in some way. And I don't know the logistics and I don't know any specifics and I'm not going to get behind this theory the way I do the man in black theory because I don't have the fucking time for that shit. But I, I really <laughs> feel like that <laughs> moment right there proves that there's some connection between Bernard and Arnold where they're doing the same work. There's some part of Arnold like that it. is still in Bernard. I want to give a special hello to Elton McManus, who's in the chat. And uh, God damn, man, it's got to be Mr. Bucket, too. What, what fucking time is it where you guys are at? It's got to be like 4 a.m. in England, right? Damn, them boys is up early as fuck. Anyone else from England in the chat? Sound off if you are. Thanks for joining us. I know it's late where you're at, or really, really early. So let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about, uh, so we got our boy working on his bird program and Sylvester flips and reads him the riot act about the bird telling him he's going to get in trouble. Blah, blah. I know this matters, but blah, blah. They get to work on Maeve again. Um, so we go. Personality testing should have weeded you out in the embryo. Just want to throw that line out there. Yeah. Just if we want to talk about this being. Eugenics and shit. <laughs> yeah. And if we want to talk about being on Mars and being in the future and being Fuck whatever, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying. Uh, that that could just be a throwaway line. He's just making a fucking joke, or it could be like, "Hey, we've been recruiting people to work for Westworld since they're in the embryo." That's uh, what no, people no. are going to get on no, now. No, here's what I think they're saying by him saying. I that. think it's just a throwaway line. I don't. I think they're just reminding you that this is some sort of future civilization from where we are today. 
the fact that they even have that as an option. This is not 1970 whatever. That Unless, guy is the douche too, by the way. Okay. So William Logan and Dolores. We made El Lazo. The fucking tips his hat up and under his brim we see Lawrence. You, I wish that you listeners could have seen me when I was watching. Now, and it I, was I didn't awesome watch this scene. episode live. I didn't get to watch it until Monday afternoon. Me too. No, Monday evening. Me too. So I was staying off the Facebook page as best I could. I'd seen somebody say like, oh, I think Jessica's man in black theory is true. And I like that because obviously I like it when people say I'm right. You must love Keith. But <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Um, I really tried to stay off the page. I didn't read a lot of the stuff you guys are posting. I wasn't reading any comments on anything, so I wanted to watch the episode first. But I knew something was going to happen that in some way was going to make me feel validated. And so I was kind of waiting for it. And this beautiful moment when this happens, I I jumped up. There were probably like two cats sleeping on me, and they went running like wild throughout the house. Dean was telling me to relax, but I could not. I don't think I did say that. I think I was also excited. I just felt like this 100% means that we're at least in two different timelines. And that's halfway there. All right. Can you explain why you think that before we continue? Yes. Go. Because we just saw Lawrence mm-hmm. have his throat slit and be let out, basically. Yep. And they're like, yeah, somebody will be along to pick him up. Okay, sure. If we're to imagine that the show's actually running chronologically, there is no way that these guys in hazmat suits came, mm-hmm. took Lawrence, took him back to base, got him fixed up, put him back out there, and now he's in this timeline. And, and yeah, totally entrenched in this new character. And, and totally in a different storyline. Right. Because yes, his name is still Lawrence, but he's playing a totally different storyline than the storyline we have seen him play before. Yep. Right? Yep. Junkfish is telling you it was a day and a night since Lawrence died, so they could have repaired and transported. They could have done it easily. But that would have meant they that would have meant that they totally reprogrammed him and had him on a completely different narrative. Yeah, I don't know. I feel that this they would have they would have to have him on a whole whole different narrative. No. Yeah, he he's on a different narrative. I think the logistics the of transporting him and fixing him are different than the logistics of completely changing his narrative. No, it's it's definitely he's not the same character per se, or not in any portion that we've seen because we've never seen Lawrence this far on the outskirts of the game before yeah i'm not sure I'm not sure <laughs> remember when varus traveled from essos to westeros in half an hour says lone star kid in the chat to try to explain how uh hbo doesn't care about time dude don't don't fucking try to figure out how the spider moves yeah he's special um so i'm just saying when i when this happened i felt like it was a confirmation that we were on two different timelines it was super exciting i love lawrence by the way he's awesome. and i love el lazo like he was great in this I like seeing him in his glory and not, you know, on a rope following the man in black. He was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go to... Where are we? We're still where they're talking to Alazo, I think. Yeah. So we meet Alazo, right? They negotiate a little bit and Logan gets punched. Dolores gets some visions of a church. There's something you're seeking. We can help. We can help you, she hears. Interesting that it was a plural. How is it that lunatics always find their way to me, Elazo wonders. They talk about the Confederados, nitroglycerin profits. So they're setting up this thing. They're going to go on a mission. They're going to go on a mission. They're going to rob some nitroglycerin from these Union soldiers, sell it to the Confederados, who are going to use it to blow up brown people. Well, Elazo's a brown person. He's not down with that, although he pretends that it's not going to bother him. But we all know that this is going to end up being a double cross. You're going to put fucking tequila in those, pump those bodies full of the nitroglycerin to be on their merry fucking way and double cross the captain and his men. And that's kind of this whole setup here. By the way, it was mentioned by Anthony Johnson that El Lazo does mean the loop in Spanish. Cool. So just. 
So let's get to the carriage robbery. It's tense. They manage to disarm the men. Logan gets a little carried away. He beats up a guy for lying and calling him a halfwit. The soldier fights back. William gets punched. William ends up turning his gun loose on the baddies. He's pissed at Logan, obviously. He, yeah. First of all, Logan is so douchey, which I wrote my notes, but whatever. William shoots two men, one to save Dolores. A guy's going towards Dolores to shoot yes. her. He kills in this man to save Dolores. He then turns around and he shoots an unarmed man with his hands in the air. Yes. I don't know if the castle doctrine works in Westworld, but I'm fairly certain he was shooting an unarmed man at mm-hmm. this point, which is a big character change for William as we see him slowly yeah, become caught- a man in black. <laughs> he definitely got caught up in the moment for sure. And then, of course, he shoots the guy who's choking out Logan because he still wants to help his douchey friend right. now. Yeah. And we've seen them. We, we, we haven't seen a lot of activity between human and hosts in what we could consider the current timeline. We've seen a lot of yeah, bang I him agree. up, kick him up, punch him up, choke him up. I mean, Logan literally gets carried away, kidnapped at the end of I, whatever he's This in. is why I also think this is an older timeline. I do not think there's any way the hosts are allowed to do this in the current timeline. Yeah, we'll see. What kind of waivers would you fucking have to sign to go to a place where you can have the shit beat out of you? I think there's a lot of waivers. And I only, agree, by the way, only think... one. <laughs> if you've ever been in martial arts class. Um, so yeah, what? if you've ever taken a martial art, you have to sign like accidental death waivers. If you join a gym, you have to sign. You have to sign that for liability waivers. I feel like. But um, no, but let's get to the pariah. They give El Lazo his nitro. He gives it to the confederados, supposedly. Uh, we're going to well, blow these cactus eaters all to hell, he says. And uh, El Lazo convinces the Confederados to stay. Uh, I like this a lot. So this is the setup here. Now, in order for the Confederados to be convinced to stay, they're going to have to be uh, they're gonna have to be tempted. And they are brought uh, three gold naked chicks with strong bush games. And uh, the Confederados get... Strong bush games. The Confederados get led away so we can make sure to get this double cross in motion to get this nitroglycerin away from where it's supposed to go and into the correct hands, according to El Lazo. So we move over to Elsie and who I like to call Long Dong Silver. And uh, she's calibrating a host. I guess his name is Bart. She sees men wheel astray by and uh, she learns they're going to incinerate the hosts. Uh, the guys see Elsie. They kind of shit their pants a little because of her rank, apparently, in the hierarchy here. And um, she convinces this guy, Destin, I guess is his name. I think his name is Dustin. Oh, Dustin. Which is a normal name for humans. I'm like, Destin, which yeah. is a made up name of like a toothpaste. I was, I was like. going, I think I was going off the captions. So if I'm wrong, you're going to eat crow. <laughs> okay. Well, if someone's more, named Destin, then. You're going to eat more crow than the fucking. Then when, then when William is literally not the man in black and <laughs> I cry. <laughs> um, yeah, I might have just done a typo. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The caption said it. Mm. I thought it did, to be honest with you. It makes me think of like, what's I the think name it's of Destin. that? You're going to be wrong, and no, I'm going to be right. I'm not. Okay. I'm right. All right. His name is Dustin. How much do you want to bet on air live? $5. $20. No, five. Okay. $5 it is. Okay. Shaking on it. Witnesses, by the way. Oh, I'm waiting okay. patiently. Look up actor for Christopher Gerst when you get a minute, Westworld. This and see who he Destin. plays. I'll fucking kill myself. <laughs> $5, motherfucker. Put that shit in my hand. This idiot's name, Chris. What, Chris? What? Christopher Gers, G E R S E. Okay, look it up. Go ahead, go ahead. What? He's on Days of Our Lives, apparently. That's weird. Well, let's Dude, get past this douche. so we can move on, my friend. Justin. Five bucks in my oh, hand. Sorry, I just didn't think somebody would have a name that was so stupid. There you go. 
All right. I'm going to call him Dustin anyway. I don't give a shit. That's cool. Just to wallow in your ignorance. That's real big of you. But Dean, I've only interrupted you like three times in this podcast. So Not you bad. You better stop making fun of me before I start. Here's what I will say. You. Based on last week's episode where I literally just turned the podcast over to you because you interrupted me so many times, you're doing really good this week. I'm proud of you. People are so mad at me about that. Um, they should be. It was annoying and hard to listen to when you're interrupting somebody. Oh, I bad. read all the emails about it. <laughs> it's bad radio. It's bad radio, kid. Um, so Elsie. Do we want to talk about the guy with the big penis or should we just brush past that? <laughs> I mean why is Andrea Ramos in the chat when I need her? <laughs> We're just gonna brush by that fucking <laughs> that beautiful black dog. yard arm, huh? What are we doing here? Um, I just like that. Can't we just hang free with the fuck? Can I get a credit? Can my penis get a credit in this show? I just like that this fucker came and pour water and Elsie's like, I hate for your talents to go unwasted. Like, Come on, you like Elsie. I see you smiling. No, I don't like Elsie, but I did come the closest to liking her in this episode when she threatened that guy with that video of him banging an unconscious host. You're so stubborn. That was when I almost liked Elsie. So she examines Maurice and finds his equipment in his arm and immediately brings it to Bernard. Wait, we've moved past the penis? No, just kidding. We sure have. <laughs> it's hard to move past it. You have to go like a half a block around it to get around it, but we, we managed to move past it. I just want to point out Junk Fist in the chat makes a great point that she was really appreciative of that big black dick, although she was making out with women in the first episode. So Yeah, but you can't deny the power. clearly bisexual. It's just fine. You can't deny the power at home. You know what? It's fine. Elsie, yeah. you do you. You do you, Elsie. still kind of annoying, but you were better today. I'll love her in two seasons, just like Carol in The Walking Dead. I'll go through that fucking trial and tribulation. Let's talk about laser-based satellite uplinks. Sure, I don't even know what that means. So I was just like, ooh, they're spying. You don't have to. You just have I to know. know what was said. Our friend wasn't drawing stars. He was drawing a target. Someone is using our hosts to smuggle data out of the park. And this is a new mystery, so I could not take too much right. stock in it. Because I said, I have enough mysteries to solve. Right. Yeah, this is like, oh my God, fucking now what? This is just letting us know that there's competition out there, that there's something outside of the park out there, that they're smuggling data outside of the park. Is that, this set up for a season two? Because I fucking hope so, because it's I possible. cannot take another mystery this season. Just yeah, saying. It's possible. I just can't. Decadence at Pariah. Let's go. What do you got for me? Oh, orgy time. Yeah. I wrote in all caps. So Logan admires all that is around him. Uh, and the captain says, my flesh has tasted a greater pleasure than any offered here. War. So he's being a fucking creep. There's a there is a place in glory for a brown man who knows his rank. He says to El Lazo, further putting a gully between the two men with his fucking blatant racism. Oh my god, so blatant! The captain tries to recruit them. William and Logan are, argue. Um, there is no such thing as heroes or villains. Logan says it's a giant circle jerk. Uh, says more about you than the world. And Logan retor uh, William retorts, "What do you think about their whole argument and discussion here?" I love it. <laughs> well, I was just trying to comment and told me to shush. I think you're on this trip because you're some kind of threat to me. I picked you because you aren't a threat. My sister probably did too. The pinnacle of your career traje trajectory was being executive vice president. You thanked me for the opportunity. That mm. was the best day of your life. Mm. So Logan is the douchiest douche I've literally ever seen in my life. I don't care if you roll your eyes. There's oh no God. other way to describe him. You call him, him a douche again? Seriously. That's what he is. He's the fucking okay. worst. We anyway. So what does he, what does this mean? Is it just showing us this is this argument supposed to lead us to believe that William's willing to abandon him at the end of the episode? That's fucking heavy. I think it shows a much deeper relationship with these two men. It has, apparently he's with his sister. It, I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy shit, right? Right. 
And he is this guy who... Uh, William abandons him, but let's not get crazy here because I think William deep down knows that he can really be hurt too much. Yeah, sure. But it's odd because one thing William has been doing is expressing the fact that he is very... He is very aware of everything going on here. And he, if of anyone, he would be sensitive to the fact that his friend got captured because he doesn't just see it as a simple game. He's like, this place is fucked up. We've got to show Logan how bad Logan is and also this relationship between William and Logan because what's going to happen, mark my words, is that Logan's going to end up dead. Yeah. And William is going to become the executive president of Delos Corporation and he's going to buy Westworld. And he's going to become the man in black as we see him. Yes, you're correct. Thank you, Dean, for getting on board with that. (laughs) Because yes, this is just lead up to that. This is important. This is letting us know where William fits in the hierarchy of the company now, where he fits in relation to Logan. Mm -hmm. Um, I want more information about the sister. I feel like this might be information that if, if, if your theory is accurate, this is just giving us information to show you that William has transformed so much over time uh, in that he was this kind of meek guy whose biggest joy in life was this. And he says, my sister's fucking you because she doesn't have to worry about you. And you're just this little weak fucking dude and blah, 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 blah. And if, if, if Logan literally is just here to be this mouthpiece to establish this past that William had that the show is unwilling to show us because... The show is about Westworld. We're not going to see how William's life was led. Unfortunately, that has to be something that they give to us by way of explanation, by way of telling us this is how William was. They can't really show us how William was other than to have you get an interaction on the way he's acting around people now versus this transformation he's going to go through. And we're seeing subtle hints of it. He shoots the unarmed man, like you said. He leaves Logan behind, like you mm-hmm. said. He's starting to break out of this mold that Logan seems Makes to think. Makes out with Dolores. That Logan seems to think he's stuck in, right? So it's pretty wild. So William gets angry with Logan. Logan speaks the truth. Right, buddy. That's what I thought. After their altercation, he turns, meaning William, and Dolores is gone. We see her walking around the uh, walking around Pariah. She sees lots of weird shit and then finds herself sitting with a fortune teller. The fortune teller essentially beckons her to take a card, which Dolores does, and the card is the maze. Of course, we all knew that's what the card was going to be, right? Sure. You must follow the maze, Dolores says. To herself. To herself. What is happening to me? Perhaps you are unraveling. She's literally talking to herself now. Dolores starts to pull herself apart. Just a vision, of course. She gets up and runs away, makes her way outside. So what do you think of Dolores' little interlude here with uh, this fortune teller, which ends up being herself? I think it's interesting that she's seeing herself and talking to herself because this is what Arnold wanted. Yes. He wanted them to hear their own inner voice. Yes. Which is kind of what we're seeing play out here. She's talking to herself about finding the maze, about maybe unraveling, giving her these hints that she's not real. She's not what she thinks she is. There's more to her. We obviously know that's not real what happened to her, but Mm -hmm. she's getting hints from herself. Sure. It's coming subconsciously. This is not something that somebody else is telling her and she's listening. Well, I guess Arnold is telling her technically based on what we know about how Arnold programs the hosts. Do you think it's, as Junk Fist is pointing out in the chat, do you think it's coincidental that we are getting a situation where she's reaching for the same spot we just saw with Maurice? Interesting that she would reach the same spot, that's right? That's very possible, and I didn't think about that until this moment. Hmm. But that certainly is a reasonable a reasonable idea. Sure. Yeah, maybe she's Based also 
uplinking things to the moon. Right. <laughs> to the moon. So um, she gets up, runs away. We see Elazo pumping nitro into the corpse. She kind of stumbles upon this and realizes that a double oh, cross fuck. is in order. Uh, she's about to go down. She runs off again, this time back to William. She tells William about the double cross. William, of course, is upset. And this is where he starts to make comments about the game. This is a sick game. I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, Dolores says that they find a way out together. She's upset. She needs William. She needs William. There's a voice inside my head telling me, I need you. They share a tender moment. They kiss. And then um, the captain spots the double cross because they drop, of course, the glass. Logan gets dragged away and William just watches. Yeah, and Logan is not getting beat up. He says, help me. Help me. He means it. And Logan shakes his, I mean, and William shakes his head and says, no. It's funny that he was concerned enough to say, help me. He doesn't just simply win. Which makes me think, again, why can they hurt them so much? It's crazy. Hmm. So William and Dolores run into the captain and the confederados. I thought you had no appetite for war. Things get testy. William yells, Dolores, run. And then she gets the bullet when she goes into combat mode. And she just fucking wastes these clowns. Awesome. Did not expect that. That was a cool thing that happened. She gets a little bullet and watches, uh, wastes the captain and his confederados. Uh, people come here to change the story of their lives. I imagined a story where I didn't have to be the damsel. I love that story. Dolores feminism, even in Westworld. It's more like I think, therefore, I am. Kind of interesting, right? Sure. I don't, I think I want to not be this. I think I would want to be something else. And she just did it. They run for the passing train. They hop on board. They run into El Lazo. They have a bit of a standoff. You can call me Lawrence. Yay. Love that guy. And then we see that the caskets have the maze emblazoned on the casket covers or lids, whatever you call them. And then she says, I'm coming. Yeah. To Arnold. Hmm. Um, I do like this, like stuff with the nitro. I like that they pump the nitro into a corpse. I like that they fill the nitro Slick. bottles with tequila. And I love this one moment where William goes over to drink with Lawrence and Lawrence says, oh, you want a sip of this swill? I promise it's not the nitro. Like, it's just cute. <laughs> it's cute dialogue and awesome. personable. And we know that the man in black has a good relationship with Lawrence, that they're old friends. Yes. That they have this friendly relationship that we've never seen. And I feel like we're seeing the start of it now. I like it. So, Man in Black and Ford. Ford makes a reference to time involving Teddy. Oh, can we start, though, before even the opening of the scene is the playing on the piano? Oh, sure. And it's a human playing the piano. It's the first time we've ever really seen that. We've only just seen the automatic like Ford. play go. Ford's of course hands. it's Ford. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying that it's his world. He's had this piano that automatically plays, and he comes in. And he's like, I'll just play the piano, too, because I'm a fucking boss. <laughs> Uh, the man in black is legitimately surprised to see Ford. Wouldn't you be? And then we, isn't this a rare honor? He says, everything good and rotten in your life, Teddy. This is the man you have to thank. I always felt this place was missing a real villain. And then Ford says, I lack the imagination to create a character like you. I just wanted someone in the chat asked a specific question about the last scene that I want to point out because we did just gloss over it. Dolores being alone in the train car at the end. Okay. Um, where she says, I'm coming. Yeah, and I, I do think it's worth mentioning that she's alone suddenly and she's not with them. And I think this goes to the same idea of she's having these flashes of another narrative, I another see. time. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my personal take on it. I like it. That she's seeing another time where she's been on this train. She's seeing something that she's going to do in the future, whatever it may be. But she keeps having these flashes, and I just saw that as another one of those flashes. Gotcha. Personally. 
The man in black brings up Wyatt. That's something new. Have you finally made a worthy adversary? So I'm going to stop me from finding the center of the maze. And this is where Forge is out with it and says, what do you expect to find? Right? Right. What do you expect to find? Do you know that you exist, Teddy? Every need taken care of except one, purpose or meaning. They come here to become thrilled. They take a picture. They go home. I think there's something deeper here, something true. Now, I think this dialogue kind of squashes the man in black as a as sick theory. I feel like he would have been very explicit if that was the case or no, that Ford may have known. But, yeah. but, I mean, he's just being, again, they're being evasive for evasive sake. And Ford says, if you're looking for the moral of the story, just ask. And that's when the man in black says, I need a shovel, the man who knows died 35 years ago. What is your take on this conversation? What, what do you think is uh, going on here? This is just interesting to me that whatever's going on with the man in black was enough to bring Ford in to talk with him. Right. Um, Which means he's getting close. Yep. And, and it shows the man in black status more so as a VIP than we've ever seen before. Right. Which is very interesting to me. Now, is it possible that he's simply just a VIP because he's a he's a money backer? Oh, no. 100%. Yeah. Versus somebody Ford actually likes. No, and I'm not saying Ford likes. No, I know you're not. Either. I'm just talking. I'm just I just find it love. very interesting that whatever's going on with the man in black was enough cause not for Ford to try and stop him, but for him to just walk in and have a conversation with him. Nice. I don't think Ford. I think Ford is very selective with his time, right? And what he does with it, for sure. And I like that he's used to having the upper hand, and he doesn't necessarily this conversation. I feel like the man in black really gives it right back to him. For sure. And I think that that's why we end with Ford doing his magic I am God move where he says he speaks to Teddy and that triggers Teddy to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. This was um, so. So some of the criticism of the scene is what does it even mean? It was cool to see these two awesome actors, but does it really mean anything? Do you think there's a meaning here? Beyond, I don't necessarily it's cool to watch these know what act. the meaning is, but I think it's I think it's to show this pre-existing relationship between the two of sure. them. Um, what the man in black feels. Um, I think it shows him that insinuating that Arnold is the only one who knows what he wants and right. knows the truth. Right, which is kind Ford of a slight doesn't. to Ford. Um, he almost took this place with him, almost, but not quite, thanks to me. Right. I think there's a lot of importance to it. And I understand that it's just two people talking about something else and maybe not furthering the plot, but it's giving us more information about the man in black's relationship to the park, mm -hmm. what he knows and his relationship to Ford. Yeah, which we knew nothing about other than to see it now. We think it's kind of adversarial. The only thing that men in, the man in black has been referred to is uh, uh, to referred as is a um, fuck I can't talk a, a VIP so some important guy and now when he sits down with Ford we see that it's not like hey how you doing this park's great I'm having a blast high five it's this tense adversarial thing mm -hmm. which means that the man in black knows something here he knows something about this and he uh, he knows that Ford has something more in mind for this place but. There's something, there's a rivalry between him and Ford. And that goes back to the 34 years. Right. Known each other a long time. So I suppose that's how the episode ends. No, it's not. Oh, right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> it actually ends with the greatest moment of all time. Yes. It starts with like, ugh, this annoying idiot whose name might be Lutz and it might be Felix the cat. We don't even know. He's going to work on Maeve. He's like, oh, fuck. I got to check on my dead bird first. Hold on. Let me bring this thing back to life, which he does. And then he fucking turns around and there's Maeve just sitting there awake with the bird on her hand like She's fucking so awesome. Snow White. Hello, Felix. It's time you and I had a chat. Awesome. So, this is going to turn into something incredible. Right. This is huge because of what it means for 
Maeve's self-awareness. She's now remembering when she wakes up in, in, in great detail. She knows Felix's name is Felix. Right, because she's been listening. Right, which means all these times where she's been killed and come into this room and been worked on, not all of them, but there have been points where she has been fucking conscious enough to know this guy's name, which is fucking crazy shit. It's intense. Yeah, that's a great point. I never even thought of that before. It makes me think of like, you know, like people who are afraid, like when you die, like you're just fucking there and you know you're dead and you're just sitting there and you can't move yeah, and yeah. you're like paralyzed. And as you get buried, you're like, holy shit, I'm buried. If you get like, you know, cremated, you're like, holy shit, I just got burned. Um, that is like what that makes me think of. And that shit is scary. It's dark. It, it is. And it tells you something about Maeve too, though, but that she's been doing it for however long, waiting for her fucking opportunity to do what she needs to do because she's thinking long term. Right. And in our eyes, it's only been a few times. It could have been hundreds. Yeah, we don't even know. Right. Based on the floorboard stuff alone, there's tons of stuff down there. And, and I really like that we closed out the last episode with her really having that revelation when she was with, um, I don't know, Over Martel, whatever his name is, that guy that I like. And we didn't see Maeve at all other than her body just chilling a bunch of times. Until right. this moment, but it doesn't matter. It was still a great, a perfect ending twice in a row. We had Maeve really close this out strong yep. with things to come. Yep. Next week, we're going to see a lot of Maeve. I think we so. And I do like, and we won't get into it because of fear of spoiling, but the, the coming soons were very vague. So we're going to see a lot of reveals coming in the next few weeks, but uh, overall good stuff. Um, I think we're going to do a couple of listener comments uh, I know we already did one, uh, Jessica, thanks to Carlos, and um, I think we're probably going to do some more. Do you have any listener comments before we get to our uh, final thoughts that yeah, you want to um, get to? I could probably look some up, but I, I did also want to say that that guy's name is Hector. Daniel Felch in the chat reminded me. I what called guy? him over a mortel. The oh, guy Hector. that Maeve yeah, was yeah, making yeah. out with that I think is really handsome. Sure, sure. Um, do you have anybody you want to, um, anybody that you want to read? Gosh. I already read some of Keith's too. You did. I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Kelly Beam. I definitely believe there are multiple timelines going on, but I don't think that absolutely means that William is the man in black. I'm still hoping that they are using misdirection to make us think that, but then they will hit us with something else entirely. There are just so many theories out there, some so convoluted, it makes my brain hurt. So I'm just going to try to get uh, not to get too tangled up in the weeds and just go along and enjoy the ride. But I still think that Bernard may be a host. I like Kelly's style here. I like that she's keeping it simple. I think that's a good move. Uh, we kind of address this at the beginning of the episode where you, when you talk about TV and stuff, you, you have to, it's hard to just enjoy the sunset coming up when you're an astrophysicist, right? Because you know all the shit that's going on there. Uh, not that we are astrophysicists to TV. God, good God, no. But um, it's uh, it's one of those things where this show presents all these things and it's hard not to get pulled off in the weeds. I do like that she's trying to keep it simple. I think that's a smart way to go about trying to just let the show wash over you. So good stuff as usual from Kelly. I have a comment from Mike Rafub. I don't know. Uh, Rafus, I think. I don't know. Yeah. That S is like the German S. It's, it's that German He's character. He's German is what you're telling me. Uh, or at least of German descent. All right. Um, this show is great, but there's no denying it, but it lacks a substantial X factor needed to be HBO's moneymaker after GOT wraps. In a lot of ways, it feels more like Lost for premium cable rather than a sweeping epic like Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, and then he further continues on um, GOT succeeds where other shows falter because there are constantly decisions, ac actions, and consequences that keeps people hooked because the characters are constantly hooked. Even in season one, blah, 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 he talks about specific things that happen on the show, so I'm not going to talk about that. 
Uh, think of all the character development we see by the end of season one in a show like Game of Thrones. I just don't think Westworld has a writing and pacing to deliver that kind of storytelling. And I think there is something to what he is saying and that the people who are like, this is the successor to Game of Thrones, it's not. This is a very different show. Very, very different. It's a yeah, very not, different feel. I'm not even sure what that statement means <clears throat> other than I know we've said it ourselves. Uh, successor, maybe what maybe it just means it's the show that's going to run for five seasons. Yeah, they think it's going to take the place and be their big. Yeah, but I think I think it's I think there's a lot of negative connotation to say take the place. Sometimes people take that negatively. It just means it's going to be on on Sundays when Game of Thrones isn't. If you want to just speak in logical terms, sure, but that's not what it means. It's going to be their next big money maker that everybody right. talks about. Right. I know that's the about. speculation, right? That it's going to be. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem when you compare something like Westworld to Game of Thrones. Number one, you're four episodes in to Westworld. You're six seasons into Game of Thrones, whatever the hell. Game of Thrones has massive source material. This is based off of one movie. Game of Thrones is on a continent that is massive. It's medieval. It's a gigantic setting that has got a ton of things going on. Thematically, you can only explore certain things in Westworld. In Game of Thrones, thematically, you can explore lots of different things. It's just a larger and more ripe setting to tell stories in. So I think it's not necessarily a fair comparison. But that's a comparison everyone's going to make for the next... Yeah, that's fine. Until a year after Game of Thrones has ended. That's all we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. People, I think it's just natural instinct to compare things that you watch. People compare Walking Dead to Game of Thrones, even though they're separate networks. People just do that. They, they're always going to compare shows. I'm just saying, in your comparisons, make sure that you understand that the two settings are vastly different with vastly different uh, potential. That's all. That's all I'm telling people to do when they start comparing. I agree, but everyone's still doing it. And they if, they, if people don't take into account that they're different shows with vastly different worlds, we're going to get to the point where people are like, fuck Westworld, even though it's probably a great show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just watch Westworld for what Westworld is, good right, or bad. But people are gonna just be crazy about that. Yeah, well, you know that's because people have this weird like collectivism built into their brain where they're like, "I'm team this, and I'm team this," and they fucking fight and argue about what is better. I don't know, whatever. But anyway, thank you very much for all the listener comments. I had a blast this week. Um, good stuff this week out of Jessica. I mean, minimal interruptions. Out of me. <laughs> I was very Why, thank you. I was very proud of you this week. You did really well. I didn't talk about how I want to have sex with anyone. I know, like, crazy. Yeah, call some people handsome and talk about a penis. You did. You did talk about it. Hey, let's let's just call it a a, a dangling majesty. Yeah, that's um, what it was. But let's get to some final thoughts and then bid these good people adieu. You first. Love this episode. Feel like a lot of shit happened. Um, feel so great about my man in black theory. I'm going strong on that. Feeling really good about Maeve. She's all I want to see next episode. I want to open the episode on her. I want to see her do a bunch of awesome shit. And I love her. I would kiss her if I was Elsie and I was in that place. I like it. I think that this episode delivered on something that I think was crucial. It delivered on things happening. And I think that was something that we harped on last week. And I think they solved it this week. So I find their pacing has is good. They're telling some stories. They're setting things up. They've done a good job. I, like Jessica, want to see Maeve interacting more with the staff. I think when you have the hosts interacting with staff members outside of Westworld is when you're going to start to see the real conflicts coming through. And I'm looking forward to that stuff. I think Westworld is a really good show. I like it. It's confusing. It presents a lot of theories. Sometimes that turns people off. Eh, whatever. I like it. And so far, I have enjoyed this show immensely. 
I think they need to continue to do things. I think the coming soon being vague and saying in the weeks ahead is a big clue that big things are going to start to happen as these episodes start to go further into it. I like Westworld. Westworld is different than Game of Thrones. They're separate. Uh, There's a lot more investment in Game of Thrones. If you're going to make that comparison, just have realistic expectations. That's it. I think I've said enough. Uh, Jessica, do you have anything else you want to say, or are we just going to say goodbye? I will say goodbye. Thank you for coming. I look forward to next week. Please listen to the Science Fiction Film Podcast as well. Thank you very Especially much. tomorrow, because I'll be there. Awesome. All right. You guys have a great night. We'll catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.